0: Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com
1: podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys.
2: Welcome back, race fans, to another episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. Hosting today is myself, Bill Mahaffey, with a special co-host today, Rebecca Davis, the one, the only Rebecca Davis. How are we doing today, Rebecca?
1: I'm doing great, Bill. I'm happy uh, to help out a little bit, and uh, hopefully it goes well. I know we'll all be missing Kevin by the time this is over, but I'm excited to be here.
2: i I, i'm excited to have you on here but i gotta tell you for sure i'm sitting here going boy normally kevin does the recording so bear with me as i'm running the controls today (laughs) Um, cool no thank you for coming on rebecca i look forward to doing more episodes with you this should be a lot of fun we've got a special guest in tony i'm gonna intentionally mispronounce his name as (laughs) massacody just so we can hear the story of his first spikes race welcome aboard tony hey man how are you good sir good now if you would tell us about that first spikes race uh, i believe it was with jim servo where they mispronounced the name
0: yeah so it was in 2016
2: probably all the quebec people will
0: remember that i did the spikes with jim servo it was my first time and at the end for the reward uh, the guy on the mic said jim servo and Anthony Masicoti. So everybody from Quebec thinks that was that was funny because my name is not Mascody, it's mascot. But you know, I don't I don't really mind. I prefer mascot, but Mascody is is funny.
2: Yeah, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that. I may intentionally call you Mascody from here on out, just as a as a point. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on board. We've got a, a great show in place. We're gonna do a little bit of a race results catch up, and then we're going to dive into. Canadian paddling, specifically get into some classic stuff. Episode 19 is literally the pre classique de Canute de la Maurice. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, it's classic.
0: In French, it's classic international de Canute de la Maurice. So it's just say
2: it again and I will tell you. Well, I'm not even going to try. That sounds way too complicated. Rebecca, how about <laughs> you try to pronounce that?
1: <laughs> I'll just st- stick with the classic or what we call it Ishwinigan, but uh, that's just, you know, the town, the, the race, most of the races in or where we all congregate. So uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited to get back up there. It's been a while.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I think the whole world is excited to get back up there. So cool. Cool. Well, wait, Rebecca, it, would you mind giving us a little rundown on some race results? How about some USCA Nationals recap? Those just happened, right?
1: Perfect. Okay. So the USCA Nationals this year were in Warren, Pennsylvania. Um, they had us back again this year uh, after the COVID year took uh Nuego out. Uh restrictions there were just crazy uh for 2021 so warren had us back uh one thing they did to improve the course was they raised the water level for the dam release and that actually did make the course way more runnable for all types of crafts and made the like scary flame rapid um easier to navigate and uh super fun weekend uh three days of racing if you haven't been before there's a C1 day, a C2 men and women, and then there's also a mixed day. Lots of good competition there. Mike and I were able to sweep the categories that we raced, which was pretty fun, but definitely not a, a uh, guarantee. And I think other notable races, I got to race Katie Peck a whole bunch. Um, she raced all three days as well and had some really impressive performances with some newer paddlers that hadn't really done marathon before. So that was super exciting.
2: Yeah, former show guest Katie Pack.
1: Wow. Yeah. She's
2: coming on strong in marathon.
1: Yeah, she did her first assemble this year and then was cleaning up on podiums every day at the Nationals and really put in a great race on the C2 Women's Day. Uh, I raced with Joe only, and she raced with a uh, dragon boat paddler, Megan. Blink in the last name, but um, they were super tough when we were re- like wire to wire together. So um, it was exciting to see, get some new people out there, just have a, a great day.
2: Yeah, that, that is awesome. And if I, I may be wrong on this, but I almost think the Dragon Boater, that may have been her first USCA C2 race or or very very few races that she's ever did. It's, uh, Megan or Megan Roberts from Pennsylvania, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, that's, yep, you've got it. Yeah, she, I believe that was her first race and she handled it like a champ. There's some great footage on YouTube that Katie's uploaded of going through that Rapids every day, rock solid. Uh, she also paddled mixed with James Dunbar and he's had super good results in outrigger and has been on the dragon boat teams. Uh, they're all just posting about the 2019 World Championships in Thailand. Super accomplished paddler, and she brought him over to marathon too. And he looked like he was having a great time. So um, it's really cool to see the crossover.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it is incredible. And not not only the crossover, they're they're doing very good and they're very excited, right? That's a man. That's a great group of paddlers. So. Yeah,
1: so it's it's exciting we're going to bring the USCA uh, back to Nuego in 2022 August 11th through 14th. That will be great to have it back in Michigan. I always get excited about that. Speaking speaking of Michigan races, we've had a couple since the marathon. First, we had the Nuego C1 race, only C1 this year. Decent turnout for that. I think we had 30 roughly 30 boats. Mike was able to win the, Mike Davis won the C1 men, but that was super tight. Weston was right up there and Calvin Hassel came out uh, from Nebraska on his way to the Nationals. And those three were fighting it out pretty much the whole way. Women's race, I think Mary was a little tired from, from the Asable still. So I skipped out on that. So I got a little bit of an easier one there, but that's a tough course. And especially two weeks after the, after the marathon, you never know how you're going to feel. It's usually yeah,
2: bad. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say usually bad. Like let's, let's just be honest. Usually <laughs> it's bad. Good deal. No, it's good to be back in New Ago. Uh, I know they were very bummed about not being able to host uh, nationals last year. They, they put on such a great show there and it is a great course, a great river to paddle on. So
1: yeah, uh, absolutely. And we also have another race that took place just this last weekend, the Sioux Ultimate Paddle, which is in Sioux St. Marie. And that's a newer, probably our, one of our newest races on our circuit, which takes place in the St. Mary's River, which is one of the only, I guess you'd call it, big water courses in Michigan. So for those of us going to the classic, It's great practice on some open water, but I think it's a little intimidating for the regular Michigan paddler. So we had a pretty small field, but the park is beautiful. The course was fun. It was a good day all around. We had Pete Mead and Weston Willoughby won that race beating Mike Davis and Carson Burmeister um, by a pretty good margin. And then in the C1, Mike Davis was able to take home the win there again small field only 10 boats but they're really excited and hope to grow next year really want to take feedback from the paddlers to get some more people up there so hopefully we can bring that
2: (laughs) now i know they did some course changes there didn't they this year or am, am i incorrect on that
1: yeah they did some uh course changes before we had these like really confusing loops around this island this little set of islands and this year they made it just a same out and back course I think next year we'll recommend they do a little bit more between the islands but maybe make the loop a little more intuitive because sometimes you're doubling back and there wasn't uh people would be going the wrong way all the time which got kind of confusing <laughs> but you're going the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all kind of know where we are in the race, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "I'm ahead of somebody I shouldn't be ahead of." So,
2: <laughs> right. Uh, I've made I've made a mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah, or they made a mistake, but yeah,
2: somebody <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Boy, you, you talk about big water. That's a that's that's something Tony would probably be right at home at, and I'm sitting here going, "Yeah, I resemble the remark of that scares me to death." So <laughs> the big oh, yeah. water. Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, it's, it's easy for us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no, not, not so easy for me. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I'm a chicken. <laughs> uh, hey, there, there was one other race, right? Wells Bridge just happened in, in the C2. That was Ed Curley and uh, Jake Crozer won that, right?
1: Yeah. It looks like they had a really nice race. Close one with Pat Mad. Pat Madden and Ryan Zavreau were only 10 seconds back. So that had to be an exciting thing to watch. Uh, really cool. They've, uh, this Wells bridge race has really taken off. Uh, Phoebe Reese puts it on and they do a combined C one and C two. So if you do both races, you, you get kind of a combined score, which, and it has handicaps for different divisions, uh, to kind of sweeten the pot there. And, uh, They have a a really nice turnout. Uh, See, I think they had 17 C2 teams in like the pro race. And most of those paddlers are pretty close uh, to that Wellsbridge area, Unadilla, Oneana, New York. So uh, that's really encouraging to see kind of a hotbed coming up there.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. And I got to take a minute to uh, proposition Phoebe Reese. Come on now. You know you want to come out. Help me get that record. It's in a couple years. She could do it, right? That's a that's a female paddler that could race mixed and push me to that record. So. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, Phoebe's fantastic. I did a spikes with her in 2019, and we had a great time, great race. She's she's tough.
2: Yeah. Yep. I was. At- that was the thing I think was most bummed about nationals getting canceled last year was I was supposed to race mixed with her. So that's, uh, I was really looking forward to it. So, yeah.
1: So it's 2022, right?
2: Yeah, I hope so. I, I think she listens. If you're out there, we're still on for 2022, right? Like I get a rain <laughs> check on this. So, cool. Right on. Right on. Well, let's jump to some Canadian paddling, right? Oh, yeah. uh, walk me in through the world of Canada. And Rebecca, if if you would, kind of, I'll let you guys start the discussion.
1: All right. um, Well, Tony, could you tell us a little bit how you got into racing up there? I believe, did you start in Rabaska?
0: Yeah, um, I started in Rabaska when I was um, 16 uh, in 2013. Uh, because my sister used to paddle in Rabaska way before me. So I was like following the race when I was young and, uh, that like, I wanted to do same. And, uh, when I was very, very young, my dad, uh, bring me to the classic uh, at the boulevard, see the, um, the, the paddlers running. And I was like, man, I want to be, I want to be there when I'll be old and uh, so yeah I started in 2013 I did the classic three time in Rabaska. then after I switched in C2 for 2016 so yeah 2016 I've done the classic four times uh, Cooperstone once and uh, the marathon three times
2: how that is awesome. That uh see started in Rebasca. Um and, and like the moment was watching the boulevard. Yeah, that's that's great. It yeah. Oh yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, it's uh I think our course is a little different this year, but that boulevard portage I would say is definitely a top a top moment in the sport to run down that with the crowds there uh is pretty unforgettable it gives you goosebumps the whole thing uh it's it's definitely something to put on your bucket list
0: yeah it's it's a top moment for the paddlers and for the the people who watch the classic
2: okay that's 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 great how how long is the run
0: oh it's like i don't know (laughs) i don't know because when i run i don't think about that but it's like (laughs) maybe one minute running very fast like sprint i don't know it's very short it's like the the shortest run on the classic i guess okay so yeah
2: that there's other portages that are longer
0: uh yeah there is um gram air portage it's like 1k and uh that's very long and that's tough because you you probably paddle like three hours depend this year the started is um uh, closest but anyway it's like very tough because you are tired of your day and you have to run one kilometer is the good word i guess and um yeah so gamma portage is the the tough one after there is a little portage on the uh, an island This one is very short, and there is another, two other on day three.
2: Okay, gotcha,
0: gotcha.
1: Yeah, I think that Grand Mare not only is the longest portage, but like Tony said, you're not warmed up for it. So by the time you get to the boulevard, you've run two other portages ahead of it, and then you feel like ready to go. It's shorter, (laughs) and it's like all the people, you're almost done for the day, so it really just like jazzes you up to go. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Tony, I know we talked a little bit about this. It sounds like there's some changes to the course this year with the Classic. I know it's three days. Uh, so anyone who's not familiar, uh, we start in Touque and finish in Trois-Rivières. Yeah, good. <laughs>
2: oh, come on, come on uh, give us the correct pronunciation. Yeah, that's in French It's
0: Trois-Rivières. So that's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so um, this year it's it's uh, similar than the other years. It's just um, we used to finish at uh, Matawan on the first day, but this year we'll we'll finish uh, at Saint Roch. It's like longer, maybe one hour or two. I don't, I'm not sure. So the first day will be the the longest, I guess. I yeah. So it's it's gonna be. Uh, maybe six or seven hours. Um, we don't have buoy turn at Saint Roch, uh, we don't have buoy turn at uh, Shawinigan, so we are we don't run. So, we when we come at Shawinigan, we just go straight to the finish line, and the finish line will be um, it's a uh, Parc de l'île Melville in French, so it's not on the boulevard, but it's it's close.
1: And is that, uh, so the first day is, like Tony said, I think going to be about six hours. Uh, the last few years, it's been about an hour shorter. Um, and then going into the second day, uh, we start where we stopped the first day and then go and finish in Schwinnigan. And I think, like you said, we're skipping that Boulevard Portage. Um,
0: yep.
1: Is that because of COVID?
0: Yeah, there is a lot of thing we can... I mean, there is a lot of thing. It's because the COVID, like uh, the um, the supporters, the fan. I mean, family and friends could not come uh, at the start at Latuk. Uh, they probably they, they can't come at Grandmare uh, Portage. They can they cannot come at uh, the finish line. Uh, there is a lot of thing. It's because the COVID and that's sad, like the boulevard uh, run, it's it's because of COVID, because they don't want people, like a crowd, come...
2: Close crowds and close yeah. contact?
0: Yeah. So that's has,
2: why. Has that impacted... Now, you guys have like Wednesday night races and a regular circuit and stuff like that. How, how are, are those operating? Is that impacted at all, or how's your summer been?
0: Um, it's kind of different. We have a limit of... Uh, entries but we never uh bust the limit and people will have to um uh, register like the uh, um the day before okay and uh, we try to keep people uh, at a distance like a, a social distance yep. uh in the meeting and um and we have uh, um like you have to wash your hands when you come at the race and you know it's it's just politically politically correct we follow the rules and we are legal
2: well that's 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 good right um in that even though we sometimes kind of laugh and roll our eyes at the rules if everybody follows them then we get to continue doing what we love yeah and we get to continue racing Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah
1: no. And is that the same with the Rabaska this year? I I believe that's not running.
0: Yeah, either, the,
1: right.
0: The Rabaska was not running last year, and it's also not running this year. Probably, hopefully next year. But this year, it's uh, there is no Rabaska. But that's good for us because last year was the first summer of COVID, and we did a lot of uh, learning activities for people who want to start um, paddling so a lot of people of Rabaska came to try the C2 and uh, this year we have a lot of new people Um, uh, they start uh, paddling in C2 because last year we had like most Wednesday race was learning activities no races and this year was real Wednesday races and we have a lot of new people.
2: That That is great. So Wednesdays, if I'm understanding you correctly, Wednesdays last year you did, like, learning and drilling and stuff like and teaching for the yeah. new people?
0: Yeah. Um, every night, uh, every Wednesday night, we had this somebody different, like a coach. Uh, we asked, like, Mathieu Pellerin, um, Guillaume Blais, uh, Serge uh, Corbin, Uh, we asked people to do um, like a learning class and so they came we have a we have a learning activity outside the boat like on the land and after we go in the boat and we try what he tried to um, to learn us like if he's talking about uh, technique of uh, paddling we will try what he said and we paddling we paddle like an hour so that was very good for people who were scared to start paddling in C2 and um, that's good because that's sad because Rabaska is not working but it's working for us
2: yeah it's 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 sad in that Rabaska is such a large part of the culture and it really sounds like a great feeder to get into the C2 yeah but then For the C2, it sounds awesome for those people that, you know, maybe were on the edge and kind of wanted to try and learn.
0: Yeah, so um, we had some pro paddler and uh, rookie paddler and all the rookie had a pro paddler to to try with. So it was not all the rookie together and all the pro together. So um, everybody has at least one year of experience in paddling, was a pro paddler. And we match people together so to make sure everybody was together, and it was it was cool for the for the rookie paddler. Like there's somebody first year paddling, and is he, he was paddling with Serge Carbon or Christophe Prue, good paddlers. That's cool for them.
2: Yeah, that's 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 a like dreams come true, right? If you're a fan of the sport, that's that's yes. awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes us want to take a, a Tuesday road trip to make it to a Wednesday night clinic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. I'm, I'm going to Canada. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. LJ, I know you're listening to LJ Bourgeois. Take notes, man, because he's trying to, uh, my, my good friend LJ is trying to get the same thing off the ground in Oscoda right now. And they just had uh, Brett Stockton show up last night. And it was I mean that's that's how we make the sport grow. That's how we help it grow. Is we get these people that are sitting on the sidelines. We kind of help them and teach them and coach them.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw that on Facebook today. Um, Brett Stockton and L.J. Bourgeois. That guy was my feeder with uh, John Webb at the marathon two years ago. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yes, you know L.J. Yeah, I know him. I I know him a little bit, but uh, he's a nice guy, and that's cool. That you guys do it too because people will not start paddling if they don't know people if they don't have technique it's it's a hard sport to start the material is expensive and if we can help the rookie paddler um for the sport we have to do it
2: yeah absolutely and that's uh kind of what lj is trying to get off the ground is a little bit of the like the club concept to help reduce the expenses for the rookie paddlers. That way they've got equipment that they can use as they're learning and, and trying it out. Um, the the cost of boats and paddles has not gotten cheaper. It's increased substantially. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one thing I like. Uh, like Tony said, you know, not having the Rabaska this year is definitely, I mean, if we look at the entry list, there's definitely people... Uh, I I don't know, um, which is exciting. Uh, but that that R9 give gave that club atmosphere, too, and also kept the cost lower for everybody getting into paddling. Um, yeah. All the clubs own the boats.
2: Okay, so the clubs own the boats there. Yep. Gotcha. Now, Tony, which club did you paddle for? Were you, like, uh, loyal to one club, or did you bounce around over your years in Nebraska? Um, what do you mean by club?
1: Uh, team. Sorry, team. your teams. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so what's the question?
1: So uh, what what team did you paddle Rabaska for? Oh, um, I was racing
0: with, um, Gervais Auto. Uh, we finished three times second. Uh, we wanted to win. We were close, but we never won, so... Uh, yeah, it was well It was a very, very good team with uh, nice paddlers, and I'm not sure if this team is still alive <laughs> uh, with the COVID. And some sometimes uh, teams, club in Rabaska, they mix and they do new teams. So I
2: don't know if they're still active. Okay. Sure. Cool. Cool. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. The classic the classic um how is the format going to affect the strategy uh for the teams that are actually looking to like like win the race do you think it's going to change things at all tony uh yeah because this year if
0: you look at the potential top 10 it's absolutely not like the regular top 10 so like there is a lot of good teams who's not racing this year, good paddlers like Tommy Pellerin, and Mathieu Pellerin, uh, name it, there's a lot of them. And um, uh, so I think uh, the strategy will change because there is teams, um, they will probably finish top five, top 10, and they, they usually not finish that position. So maybe the sprint at the... Um, like there is a buoy turn at lactic but it's short and i think like maybe six or seven teams will stay together then after they will start intervals to um um
2: try try to break that. yeah to try to break the pack up to create yeah. separation
0: yeah to create separation and i guess the top 3 will finish together and after probably Probably like one or two boat together, finishing sprints, and after they will we'll probably see a big gap between top ten and top fifteen. And I'm pretty sure the strategy is not the same this year. I will. My strategy is to survive and try to to stay with good paddlers um, as long as I can.
2: Then I don't know the strategy for other people. Sure, absolutely. Now you have Mike Schlimmer, right? Yeah. If you can, if you can cross the border, I have Mike Schlimmer. Knock, <laughs> <laughs> knock on wood.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're all set here to cross, but it's hard to know for sure what's going to happen until we actually get to the border crossing. So um, yeah. <laughs> that's. It looks like it should be fairly straightforward, but you just never know until you're you're sitting there in line. So hopefully we'll, us Americans will make it over. Um, I know one thing for me, so I have raced the classic when it's had the longer first day. So I think the last four or five years, it's been the second day has actually been the longest. Uh, and one thing that I've noticed is it seems like that first day matters more when that, when it's longer. So some teams will crack in that last hour, hour and a half, uh, especially further back in the race. Uh, it seems like it breaks up, I don't know, maybe, maybe, Tony, would you say two hours from the end, it gets a little bit uh, shallower and suckier, and that'll sometimes break the teams up a little bit? Um,
0: and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: So I think that uh, that could spread out the again probably the top five or ten teams will probably stay closer together, but some of those teams further back I think will start to spread out more.
2: Okay, so at, at that point it will uh, the the hard water will separate the field a little bit.
1: Um, yeah,
0: I, it depends because there is some spot with shallow water all the race, so if the top three want to create the separation they will probably find a good spot uh, because there is people who's really in good shape there's people who's out of shape like me (laughs) and they if they try to separate the the group in shallow water i will try to survive and i will probably not i will not be the only one to try to survive and i guess it's not it's not that difficult for the top three to separate um, the boat like the the group. I don't think that the top ten will stay together to the end. I think it will separate all the race, and it will probably start at the the first uh, the first feed at the cowboy. okay, yeah, yeah. no
2: go ahead, Rebecca.
1: Oh, I, I think again, they're having us feed from shore and that definitely brings, uh, comes into the strategy. So we all have to go through the feed zone. Um, they have buoys set up, um, but we all have to feed with a feeder that's standing in the water. Um, now this river is huge. Uh, <laughs> so it gets deep very quickly. So we have to go very close to shore to get our feeds and it's somewhat single file through there. Uh, so that that definitely can become a point where it's going to break up packs, uh, especially on the first day with no portages to break it up, uh, you know, in the course.
2: Yeah. Okay. Now, now th- this river, uh, it, for the, the listeners that have never, heard, they don't know anything about the Classy, can we get, uh, R- Rebecca, can you describe the river? or Tony, can one of you describe the river, what the, what the paddlers are facing on day one? Day oh, one...
0: Uh, the day one is the most important on the um, following the track. If you don't know the river, you have to follow somebody, and you hope that that somebody know the river <laughs> because <laughs> <Don't>, you <laughs> hope you don't follow the wrong somebody. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, you have to drive the boat like you think, or follow somebody that know the river because there is very good spot with a fast stream and there is spot you don't want to be. like you don't want to be there like you think it's a good spot, but it's 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 not good. And uh, you have to know the river on day one. Uh, day two it's probably gonna be the waves at uh, the start and uh, the the start to Grammar it's gonna be probably wavy. And so if you're not stable and you're not good in the the wave, gonna be bad for you and day three it's uh the rapid if you're if you don't like big big water like uh, you bill
2: um it's not good for you i'm starting to sweat just thinking about it right (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: that's that's the difficulty of the river and it's very large like rebecca said so you you think you have to go there but Probably it's it's maybe not the good spot. So it's sometimes it's it's very stressful to uh, for a stern to drive the boat because you want to do you want to be in the good spot, but you never you don't know if if you don't know the river, it's
1: not good for you. Gotcha,
2: gotcha. It, it really favors those that know the river and where the current is and the the channel.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I will say being a stern, not from Quebec, it, uh, the river is so wide that you can be riding someone and you think it's a pretty good ride, but if you you think they're in the wrong spot, you might have to go, you know, three or 400 yards away to the, to a better spot. And that's super risky. You know, you, you stay on your ride. That's the safer thing as far as, okay, well, they're not going to drop me, but you could get passed by someone two minutes behind you way over to the side, just because they took the better line. And that definitely comes into play the first day and can move some things around. Uh, I always kind of look at the entries and, and see who, see which boat numbers are from Latouk because they usually know that first few hours a lot better. And, uh, those are, those are the boats to keep an eye on, uh, early on day one.
2: Okay, thank you. That was fantastic. Go ahead, Tony. Uh,
0: I I would say uh, if you can follow uh, Marchand Brothers, Les Frères from from Latuc, they know the the first day very well. So if you can follow them, do it.
1: That's good to know. I'll keep an eye on that. They're number 15. Yeah, 15. (laughs) Uh, I was
2: literally just pulling the entry list up going... That's one we need to follow. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know I know them. And every year they uh, they pass me at the same spot every year, and I follow them, and it that's perfect.
2: <laughs> that's that's awesome. That is great.
1: yeah, it's uh this race. I'm getting all pumped up about this race, just talking about it.. Uh, the waves on the second day. I even though I'm racing women's, I really like it when it gets rough the second day. I think it makes more makes the race more interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's I actually so it's funny. Uh, I've talked to Andy Trebolt some after he's led a lot of the second day and he's like, I don't know why they make us go so far before we hit Grand Mirror. The race doesn't start to Grand Mirror Portage. And, you know, so all the the fastest guys kind of take it easy. And we sometimes we get in a big pack of like 20 boats that first few hours. And I, I always kind of think the opposite, like it's easy for the fastest guys, but for those of us fighting to get, you know, our top 10 or top 15, top 20, that first three hours is like just trying to hang on to this pack and hopefully put some time on some teams you're racing, you know, just a few seconds away. Um, and that that time in the ri- riding in the pack is hard for us. So, you know, the more you can hang on getting into that first portage, the, the better you're going to finish on day two.
2: Yeah. yeah th- there's definitely some strategy aspects and some pack racing aspects that come into play that we don't see so much at the other two legs of the Triple Crown.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Um, I don't know. Tony, have you ever got to lead the classic, like part of the day?
0: Uh, to lead, like to be first? Yeah.
1: To be the first boat, like pulling the big pack?
0: Uh, I was third uh, in 2019. Yeah, la- last year was no classic. Yeah, the two years ago with Danny, with Danny Paddle, <laughs> we were like third, <laughs> but it was just. Because we reached um, the first pack, then I wanted to talk uh, to Sam Frigon and uh, to tell <laughs> him. I wanted to tell him, "Hey man, I'm I'm here right now," and uh, that's the <laughs> only reason was I was third. And after they start uh, sprinting to separate the group, so I never uh, lead the group, um, but I was like top three for one minute.
1: That's awesome. I I let it one time for like 30 seconds when I was with Mike (laughs) in 2018. And I think they just didn't notice that we were there. And then they're like, "Oh, okay, the mixed team's leading. We got (laughs) to (laughs) go.
2: That's that's awesome. That is great. 2019, that was uh, for those of you that don't know, Rebecca's father is Bruce Barton. Bruce went to the front in 19, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's because uh, Sam Frigon told me, hey, Tony, you should go lead the pack. Then at the same moment, Bruce went to lead the pack, so he took my place. (laughs) (laughs) That was my moment. And
1: And he's Uh. proud of that, too. He makes sure we know that he's the the oldest guy to be leading the race. And I don't even think that's true. I'm not even sure if that's true because Serge may have let it. Uh, Did he race in 19? No, Uh, who
0: Serge? Yeah, no, no. Probably sure. I'm. I don't
2: don't think I don't (laughs) think he
0: did. Yeah, I know.
2: We we need to get the uh, historian of the Triple Crown, Ryan Matthews, in charge of looking that one up. Ryan, I know you'll listen. Look that one up and fact check us for the next time.
1: So, so yeah, because I, I think I think Surge is just, just a little bit older than my dad. So if he was if he was there, I'm sure he got to lead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure he didn't race, but you know, I I let him go and I didn't take the place because I'm young and I probably have. Uh, opportunities in the the future to lead the pack and i know he was proud to do that and people was like oh yeah bruce <laughs>
2: that's okay it word, word traveled fast i i knew it happened like as soon as the day finished up it was <laughs> like hey bruce led the pack it was yeah that's uh he, he's kind of a in america he's almost like the godfather of of single blade paddling for a lot of people. They just really look up to them, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask Tony, is there, you know, I'm looking at the entry list and there's a lot of new paddlers on there. Is there anybody that we should be really following or even some of the more seasoned guys, are there any super fun teams to watch or anybody that's improved a lot in the last couple of years?
0: Um, There is a, Christian Charette and Louis Simon Um uh, they uh, they will probably do very good this year. It's um it's like this year is the year they they really um like take a step in the the performance. Like uh, Louis Simon finished maybe top twenty or thirty in the past years, and this year they will probably do a top five or top 10 easily so these guys are to watch they are very good this year they are in good shape and they're they are fast um a fun team to watch probably me and mike (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah absolutely a fun team to watch anything could happen there you could win this or you could not win this <laughs> uh
0: we'll probably not win this but uh we'll do our best and uh <laughs> and i'll try to do a top 10 but um uh maybe there is uh, uh jeremy leveille and guy Rousseau. uh jeremy is his first uh first year is really training hard and is very fast uh, Guy Rousseau is uh, old paddler is always good and uh, always in the top ten. And uh, if uh, Rebecca, you can tell me uh, some names or if you have if you have uh, questions about paddlers, I will answer. But I don't have the entry list in front of me.
1: Yeah. Um. So let's see um i I think there's quite a few mixed teams racing. i I am putting uh which it's Luke Mercier. Oh yeah. yeah, and Sarah Lassard. I think would be my favorites, but are there any other mixed teams that are really coming up this year?
0: Um yeah, Luke and uh, Luke and uh, Sarah will probably be the first uh, mixed team um sarah is a good stern she's a good paddler and luke is just a beast so and is in he is in good shape so i'm pretty sure they will be first in the mix and probably certainly in the top 10 uh but there is uh, (laughs) i was about to talk in french sorry
2: it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> That's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is also uh, Louis um, Louis 5 and uh, Shirley Trudel. They are fast this year. They were. They are always fast. Sorry, they are always fast. But I think they are better every year. Uh, I don't know the other mixed thing. Probably okay, La Rose. Yeah, they,
1: they're yep, they're in there and uh yes, they're on here. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pull the whole list up. And there might be a couple more um but that's that's a good start in there. Yeah.
0: Uh
1: I was going to ask about uh Christoph Marchand battling with Sam Freon.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh is he new this year or newer?
0: Um uh, he did his first classic with um, Annie Claude two years ago. Uh, he's, uh, this guy is in good shape. He's, uh, I mean, he's not just in good shape. He's like in the better shape he could never be, I guess. Uh, he's a very good paddler. Um, he takes all the um, advice of good paddlers. He, he worked hard. And his first year with uh, Annie Claude was uh, I guess was to try because both of them was their first classic so they wanted to finish it first and now uh, Annie is not racing anymore and uh, Christophe is uh, working very hard so I think he he deserves his place with uh, with Sam and uh, they will probably be top Three, top five for for sure i guess top three
1: and i would think uh guillaume and jimmy are the favorites uh, that's who i would choose to, yeah, to be we, my winner
0: yeah i would say that too when the uh winner will probably be guillaume and uh, jim we don't know what will happen but i guess they will win
2: yeah we we, we have to have a projected Favorite, most likely to win, right? And if you had yeah. to pick one, Yeom and Jimmy would would have to be it in this field. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. What, um, what paddlers do you know of in the field that would normally be doing a Rebaska but are trying the classic for its first time ever this year? Is there any of them with it the, with the Rebaska not happening? Um, I will. Go on
0: Instagram right now to uh, to see the entry list. There is some, I'm pretty sure. Um, hold on. Sure,
2: not a problem.
1: Yeah, I. While he's looking at that, um, Bill, I'd like to tell you and anyone listening a little bit about uh, <laughs> the the rapid uh, rapid deforge. I think I might be saying that wrong, but uh, it's it's the last, basically you come off the last portage on the third day and it's kind of like running the gauntlet coming right into the, the finish of the race. Uh, we finish right in the, where the St. Maurice meets the St. Lawrence. Uh, so right kind of at, you know, you're coming into this huge, huge, huge river at the end. Uh, but just, between that last dam and that finish line, there's a huge amount of drop in the river. And I don't know what the actual classification is on the rapid, but you take chest waves for hundreds of yards. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, You're just that, in this that, washing machine.
2: <laughs> that, that, that sounds both fun and horrifying. It's, I've did whitewater before, and I have no problem with whitewater, just not in a racing canoe. That Wow
1: yeah we fully deck um actually when you put in at the that final portage the lagabelle you put in facing upstream and have to eddy out um to turn around and and get going down because there's this big rock pile out there and uh the the turnaround itself is so completely terrifying that you're like there's no way i can go down this just because there's so much current and boils and churning water coming off the dam <laughs> And I very vividly remember in 2018, I was in a super tight race, like 20 seconds ahead of Eric Gagnon and Serge Paget. And they ran down that portage and put in ahead of us. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to get 20 seconds because we have to wait for them to turn to go out. (laughs) And they literally like their boat. I saw the whole bottom of their boat as they went to turn. And I was like, they're flipping, they're flipping, they're flipping. And somehow they saved it. I have no idea how it was absolutely incredible to watch um and they were able to to get back in and we ended up finishing right together so we ended up beating them but it was it's the most insane thing like you're in a pro boat and you're like "What well, what are we doing here
2: <laughs> we, we, we we don't belong here
1: <laughs> i don't know how do you feel about it tony you probably love it
2: <laughs> oh yeah i love it it's that uh,
1: <laughs> i i used
0: to not love it like When I was in Robasca, I was scared a little bit. Then Big Fred, um, he was in my Robasca team my last year uh, paddling in Robasca. And he showed us um, the line. Then at this moment, when I knew the line, it was my favorite spot. And Jeremy, Fortin and I, we practiced it a lot. Uh, We tipped once in the the rapid uh, in practice, not in the race and we came back in the boat in the rapid that was incredible and people like our group didn't know we tip and they they just say they were like man you're all wet oh yeah we tip what you came back in the boat yeah in the rapid so now it's like we're not scared anymore uh about um about the you put your life jacket and you go through the waves and survive and you go fast. And that's funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I I'm super impressed because I'm like, if I tip over, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just, I mean, in the race, there's like a support boat there, but we always run it ahead of time. And I'm like, if I flip, like, I'm just going to be out here forever in these big waves. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I think I'm gonna update my will before I ever consider doing Schwinn again at this point. <laughs>
1: oh, it's I fun though, a, Bill. It's, it's so fun.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I, we have a race, not this year, but we we had a, a race um, before the classic. Uh, it's his name is Jean Pierre Petit race. It's the third day of the classic, so we can practice the rapid. And I did the race two or three years ago with um, Nicolas Isabel. That tall guy, very, like, <laughs> he, he was shaking in the rapid. <laughs> but that was very fun. And I record the whole thing with my GoPro. I don't have it right now, but I will try to send you this week, uh, and you will see what's the rapid in the boat, like, with the GoPro.
2: That's, that's an insane. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. I, you have to send that to me. I would love to see that, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should we should share that, Tony, if it's okay, because it it is something like the Boulevard is definitely the thing that makes you go there, but you kind of really want to run the rapids too. It's 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 just one of those like iconic stages of a Triple Crown race. Yeah.
0: So
2: 24.
1: I think we're. Yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead,
2: Bill. Yep. No, I, I was just gonna <laughs> ask while we were on the like the subject of iconic. What, uh, what, what would you recommend that a first timer, like totally going off the script, thinking you know someday maybe I'll make it, right? I'm fascinated with the concept, scared to death. What would you <laughs> recommend that a first timer like don't miss out on this or make sure you like take a deep breath and enjoy that.
0: Um, I will say, um, get ready for the. Um, the boulevard uh, run because you will probably have uh, a big um, um, a big peak of energy when you will run then after you will die on the water because everybody is cheering and yelling so you will run fast and forget to to breathe and uh, so when you come on the water you still have a buoy turn to do so just like w- when you come to the portage just tell you relax it's gonna be fun breathe and enjoy that moment then after you'll be able to finish the race in uh, in live and alive i mean
2: <laughs> absolutely thank you yeah Were you able to get the list up on uh, Instagram? Oh, yeah,
0: I do. Uh, I have the list uh, in front of me. You you wanted to know um, Robasca Paddler?
2: Yeah, yep. Somebody maybe that's trying it for the the first time. Yeah, there is uh, Mathieu Gagnon and uh, Kevin Gilneau. Uh,
0: They were both my coach when I was uh, in Gervaux Auto in uh, Robasca. Uh, they um, they used to paddle in Robasca Mathieu raced in C2 once once or two times with his dad but Kevin is his first time he's probably raced the, the classic in Robasca maybe 20 times no joke but his first time in C2 um, there is Alex Bordelot I'm pretty sure it's his uh, first year in C2. It was in uh, Robasca. Um, he's pretty good too. He's racing with Emil. Same thing for, for Emil his first year. Um, oh, there is Dave Flagell and Renault Flagell. Uh, they were not in Robasca, but uh, it's uh, their first year. And Renault is very young. I think it's 14 or 15 but this guy is this guy will be so good in the boat this renault is already very good is that Dave, i i raced uh one time this year with him he's very strong and renault will be very good in like next year or in two years probably top 10 easy and, um, yeah, there is some more, but, like, Joël Lamontagne. So there is a couple of paddler who um, used to race in Rabaska. They are in C2 this year.
2: Okay, right on. Well, hey, I, I, on the odd chance that we have any of those first-timers out there listening to the show, I just want to say good luck to them, right? And thank you for taking that jump into the C2 for the first time for the Classic. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up for the show. It's been a great episode having you on, Tony, and we will forever mispronounce your last name here in the States. (laughs) Uh, But before I let everybody go, I got to say thanks for listening. Rebecca, thank you for co-hosting with me today. Tony, thanks for joining us. Um, Is there anything you want to say to the crowd, your fans, anything like that? Tony? Uh, I would say
0: I miss you, Guy, from Michigan. I I would like to come soon when the border will be open, but you know the COVID, and I'm looking. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to raise the merton I guess, uh, next year. And uh, good luck for everybody in Quebec and Americans coming for the classic. Not a lot, but good luck. And thank you very much for this podcast. That was very funny.
2: Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, until next time, folks. Keep the round side down and the paddle's wet.
1: Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.